Climbing the Pocket Protectors podcast. We're back. We got everybody here. We got the Wi-Fi working. And we're just going to jump right on into this thing. My man, doctor, how you doing? How you been? With the duck, duck, I don't understand the rest of that saying from Minnesotans shirt on. Yeah, duck, duck, gray duck. This is, now, this is the, this is not a lucky sweatshirt. I wore the sweatshirt when the Vikings got drilled by the Eagles three years ago in the, in the mm-hmm. NFC title game. Um, but it's because I, it's, not, it's not the correct way to say it, but that's all good. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, yeah true, <laughs> true. Um, things are good. I mean, look, uh, the Vikings, you know, played a pretty good game. Uh, you know, their defense still struggles, but you look around the league and none of these teams have a good defense. You know, the, I think Dallas, Dallas is favored to win the NFC, uh, East and their defense is the worst in the NFL. Um, you know, uh, Cleveland also, you know, three and one, probably going to make the playoffs with our old friend, Kevin Stefanski, bad defense too. Um, Unfortunately for the Vikings, you know, they've gotten behind the eight ball here. Green Bay appears to be, you know, Green Bay's three games ahead of them, but three and a half if you have the tiebreaker. But, you know, if Kirk continues to play this way that he's played the last, you know, let's say week, you know, you know, parts of the last two weeks, um, you know, they're a viable team in the in the current NFL. I mean, uh, defense matters a lot less. And, and luckily for the Vikings, you know, this is the year where they don't have really one. So um, we'll see how it goes Sunday night. They haven't won in Seattle um, since elbow pad Brad took uh, Brad Childress's group in there uh, and Yolo balled a few to uh, Marcus Robinson at the time. So uh, that, you know, the, the, that, those were fun memories. Hopefully we get some Sunday night. Yes, indeed. Miles, how you doing? Little modem reset. You're back with us. How we doing, bro? Well, we're not about to clown me like I'm like I'm usual. Um, no, I'm good. Uh, no, Eric talking about Brad Johnson. As a kid, I could not stand Brad Johnson. I never could put my finger on why, but I just could not stand him as a Vikings quarterback. And when he came back, I was livid. So yeah, he, he a, had that run of games though, right? Where they went like seven and two after Dante yeah. tore his knee up. Yeah. Um, Brad was in his first eight starts. Brad was more efficient than any quarterback in NFL history, except for Dan Marino. And he won but a that, Super Bowl, so it's hey, it's man. tilting. Yeah, hurts. <laughs> it's couldn't hey. do it. My man, how's it going? It's going good, been? man. This is what been like family friendly activities have you been up to? <laughs> nothing i've been crushed with work i worked all weekend been working around the clock but so this is fun though but it's like it's been like justin jefferson week so uh i'm just ex- i'm just excited about his breakout he's so good at everything he's so fun to watch so um you know that as much as the defense sucks it's exciting looking at the pieces the offense has where you know they have tackles they have a center they have all the skill weapons around kirk and kirk is actually you know despite like last year you know he had a really crappy week too but now he's starting to put it together we're seeing some interesting you know he's making plays where he's jumping backwards off his back foot and throwing into tight windows 20 yards downfield he leads the league in average depth of target so i don't know it's if if the vikings aren't going to be good i at least want them to be entertaining and so far they've been that so that's fun i mean that is what we asked for early and so it's it's to a degree, it's what we're getting. It's what we're getting here. No defense makes for fun games, I guess, because we're we're getting to see some scoring. And my man, Flip, you're back after disagreeing with absolutely everything we said on the podcast without you. You're I think back so. To, to set the record straight. 
No, he, he, said, he said he didn't agree with everything Eric said. Okay, well, I was just trying to be nice. That can never be helped, though, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. That's just natural at this yeah. point. Uh, hey, look, y'all, we got a coach fired. You know, when you're below 500, you got to start somewhere. And we sent B.O.B. packing, Kirk Cousin, just punking them fourth and two, doing doing QB bootlegs, just sending J.J. Watt crying that he lost Kirk Cousins on Sunday. So I love the win. Feels a lot better than all those losses. Like Nick said, a lot of good young players to build on. So here we go. Was the only good thing that happened Sunday the fact that it got Bob fired? Oh, I mean, I, he won I, the game. Well, I mean, but like, cool. But like, <laughs> was like, but my my question still stands. Was like the best part that happened about that win is the fact that it it got Deshaun Watson freed. Yeah, like Deshaun Watson is gonna is a future Hall of Famer now. Uh, he's got multiple Super Bowls ahead of him, and it's because of what our Minnesota Vikings <laughs> did on Sunday. <laughs> How how bad is that? Re- like, so we think about as Vikings, you know, Vikings, their their rebuild is going to be tricky, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not a straightforward thing, especially if they continue to win, you know, one out of every two or three games. Isn't it worse for it's 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 immeasurably worse for Houston, other than the fact that their quarterback is seemingly better than Kirk long run, right? I guess you talked to me about that though, Eric, because like I think we all pretty well feel like Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. Like, if he had to choose, you'd take him. But, I mean, again, you know, Nick is here, so we put him on the spot. There's a lot of metrics one might look at where you could say that over the larger sample, Kirk is better, no, than maybe Deshaun well, Watson as good as by the metrics. I don't believe Nick's, this. This is next time. This is next time to shine right I, here. I, well, it really depends on what you value in a quarterback, right? Like, if you really like the the traditional pocket passer who's accurate, who makes the right read, who scans the field quickly, that's, you know, that's what Kirk does, and that's what he does well. But he just, outside of, like, the last four, four games, we'll see if he keeps it up. He offers very little in the creativity department, very little in the play extension, and that's where Watson really shines. I mean, how many highlight plays have you seen where he's, like, dead to rights, taken down for a sack, spins out of it, rolls out, and finds somebody, like, 30 yards downfield? So Watson gives you a chance to do, do some things with a bad supporting cast in a way Kirk Cousins doesn't. So I, I don't know. I'd probably... You could certainly make the argument for Kirk Cousins. I don't know if I would make it because I'd probably prefer Watson. But, you know, if, you, if you're if you somebody who likes, you know, uh, if you're a Kyle Shanahan, you just want a pocket passer who can execute the plays and deliver the ball accurately. That's Those are things that Kirk Cousins does about as well as any quarterback. So, All right. All right. Well, Miles asked the question, like, what good things can we take away? So, Eric, I'll start with you. In a game like this, when you're matched up against a team like Houston that we talked about going in that, I mean, where we aren't great this year, Houston also not great this year. What are the things that we really should take away from this game? Like, what can we build on when you do play a game against a team that isn't very good? Like, how much of that performance is something that we can expect the Vikings to to build on as we move forward in the season? I mean, a lot. I mean, the fact that Justin Jefferson is, you know, PFS highest graded wide receiver through four weeks is a really good uh, you know, indicator that the offense has some pieces to work with, right? I mean, that's and Zach Hiller likes you guys now too. I saw he saw he tweeted that you're his favorite account on all of the internet. So there's yeah. that. 
no com- <laughs> no comment um yeah he, he's yeah i mean and dalvin cook's been awesome when you know they're playing from ahead that's obviously not something that you can guarantee sorry but we're experiencing a skype freeze please stand by because dalvin is so good it's crazy mm-hmm. to watch like i saw people saying like oh the run blocking's been pretty good no it's like ranked 23rd right now like drew samia is like just a waste of space dakota Dozier's bad there's like a lot of bad stuff going on, but like Dalvin will just break two tackles behind the line of scrimmage and go around the edge like it's nothing. It's crazy to watch. Yeah, yeah, he's he's certainly the you know when you look at you know what matters, uh, breaking tackles for running backs is certainly something I'd have to look and see. He he and Josh Jacobs, you know, just from my watching the games, uh, appear to be sort of like the the two premier players there. Um, so that, you know, obviously that's, that's great. That's a, a great way to, you know, make, make that money worth it. We, we've seen in, you know, Carolina where Christian McCaffrey gets hurt and that offense seemingly does better. Um, I don't think that that. Sorry, but we're experiencing a Skype freeze. Please stand by. (laughs) I didn't say it would, I didn't say it would get worse. I said it. I don't think it would get better for, for three months. Y'all tell me we'll be fine with Alexander Madison. Everything will be great. I mean, it's all both, about the offensive be, line. Would they still be one and three, or would they be zero and four? Uh, That's what I, I mean. I, like, you tell me. Like, like the the maybe, maybe Madison doesn't give up that safety to Jair Alexander. Uh, <laughs> you, you made me do this because I wasn't going to do it. Three months, I got to hear about Alex Madison. He's the truth. He's going to come in. No problem. Don't don't pay Dalvin. Nobody calls him the truth. All right. <laughs> look. All we right. All right. But, I mean, yeah. I, look, Teddy Bridgewater last two games, 2-0, and oh, both as underdogs, uh, 78% completion, 70% completion, three touchdowns, one interception, has taken two sacks, all of that without the presence that is Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Right. Our our guy Bridgewater out here, uh, you know, career high in yards per attempt, career high in completion percentage. That I got a lot of shit on Twitter for saying that they would be a better offense without him. I think that the Vikings offense would still run the ball a lot, even when if they had Madison. That's part of the reason why I think if you're going to actually do that, then this is to Flip's point. If you're going to play that way, you better like have a you know a horse like like Dalvin Cook, who that you know is is a little bit better, but. Um, I, you know, and d- there's not a whole lot good to take from them defensively, right? I mean, Yannick Ngakwe basically got stonewalled by Laramie Tunsil, you know, basically all game. Um, they're just, they struggle. And I think a lot of the the stuff that Houston struggled with early in the game offensively was self-inflicted, unfortunately. So, I, you know, I take away from this game that the Vikings are going to have to win with offense even more so than we thought, but this is an NFL where that currently is possible. So it's about time. I mean, they've been paying the offensive side of the ball a lot of money. So yeah. But what bothers me is your head coach is supposed to be a defensive guru, and his defense is terrible. And he's just yeah. Hey, it was their least points allowed all year. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. My one last note on Dalvin is: look, I love what he's doing. Um, it's he, it's nothing that we haven't seen him do before with the elusiveness, with the vision. Um, he the, the offense is just better with him on the field. And what I always come down to is, is your offense schemed around your best players? When you got a guy like Dalvin who's that good, you just have to give him the opportunity. 
my question is, when do we start talking about his workload, his carry load, the possibility of injury? Because it feels like at any given moment, you know, Dalvin goes down and it's a it's a wrap. And that's the problem with paying to supplant his production with another player, even if it's not even to the same degree or you're asking him to do the same things. But like you could still do it. I think obviously Christian McCaffrey's a prime example. Uh, we've seen it all over the league multiple times. Um, the fact that we're worried about Dalvin Cook's workload, but he's making you know twelve plus million dollars a year, that's a problem, right? Like that should be in itself a problem. You shouldn't have to worry about managing a guy's workload if you're going to ask if you're going to pay him in the upper echelon of his position. You shouldn't be worried about the amount of workload. But that's what happens to for running backs. Yeah. Yeah, that and that's that's the tough part. I mean, it was the same thing with Peterson too, right? I mean, it was like I remember I remember 20 what was it 2016 he was just coming off the rushing title and I was working the game for PFF and I was I noticed that like, you know, they were ahead by like 8 to 10 points against Tennessee in week 1 and they put Matt Asiata in to run the game out and I was like, are they really worried that this guy can't fumble uh, this guy fumbles too much? You know, or, you, you know, one of the, the, the most important drives in Minnesota Vikings history, you know, Chester Taylor was on the field instead of Adrian Peterson against the Saints. And it's because they're worried about him and pass for they're worried about him catching the ball, they're worried about him and fumbling. And like the hard part is running, you know, like there's never it, you know, here's the thing with Justin Jefferson. If he continues to play this way, there's probably no situation where he's coming off the field, you know, and and that player is worth a lot of money. It, you know, there, there was never a situation where the Vikings couldn't put Moss and Carter on the field because, you know, so-and-so is this or that, or so-and-so doesn't work against this coverage. And to me, that's like the hundred percent why the value is, is inherent in those guys and maybe not necessarily the running back. So Nick, I mean, you've made, and Flip made some of them as well, but you made some of them using, you know, Eric's numbers against him. Uh, with the, the the run blocking versus how Dalvin's performing with that run blocking. Um, while obviously a lot of those things sound great for us right now, can you help me understand, like, are these things, is this type of performance something we should expect to continue? Or do running backs tend to come back down towards the level of the blocking that they have in front of them? Yeah, well, we saw this last year as Dalvin started out really explosively and really efficiently and was actually positive EPA for most of the season, but then he kind of tailed off. And I think you should expect some regression. I think things that can buck regression for rushing efficiency are good run blocking, which the Vikings don't have, although Bradbury's really good. Um, and um, uh, uh, O'Neal's really good too. So they have some pieces there, but overall, you know, and, and let, well, Elfline is actually good. So if he gets back healthy, like he could actually help out, but you know, they're, they're not going to be, the the saints or whatever just bulldozing people because of the the talent on their lines but the one thing that can help is the scheme and we're seeing this basically every good every good rushing offense in the nfl right now is either you know it's the patriots and they have cam newton it's the it's the ravens and they have lamar jackson and then it's all the wide zone teams it's the rams it's the vikings it's the 49ers so I think that Kubiak scheme, that wide zone scheme, stretch the edge, you know, um, you know, hit chunk plays, explosive plays. Vikings, I think, are third in percentage of plays that go for run plays that go over 10 yards. So that part, I think, is is stable. Um, and, you know, the the broken tackle, that's something that's that's 
stable too as well. So, you know, we're going to continue. I think we'll continue to see Dalvin. You know, it's not going to be 10 broken tackles every week like it was this past week against the Texans. But there's going to be times when, you know, he's going to continue to carry that efficiency. At the same time, though, I think at some point the poor run blocking, you know, Drew Simi and Dakota Dozier being in there, that's going to catch up to them. And we're probably not going to see Dalvin go for, what did he go for, 300 yards in the last two games combined. So uh, <laughs> that's a tough pace to keep up. Well, let's talk about the other guy, the other one of the other bright spots. Uh, Miles, talk to me about Justin Jefferson. Again, huh? All Again, right. one more yeah. time. No, I mean, nah, man, that kid's for real. He's got he's got a little bit of everything that, that like, because you can't expect a rookie to come in and do the things Justin Jefferson's doing when you're asking to replace a level of a talent of a Stephon Diggs. And what this offense has done, and I want to I want to start by saying it's clear that Gary Kubiak needed a preseason this year because he sat out, he had, you know, so many years without being a, a coordinator. He needed those few games to kind of get himself under him, to get under himself, to kind of figure out what he wanted this offense to be. Um, and getting to see the, the good and the bad and the ugly of his offensive guards and the fact that his offense in, in this scheme still can't run block, which is crazy. Um, but the fact that they're, they're able to finally get uh, a player in Jefferson that, we haven't seen from a you know a year the team needs. Obviously, Stephon Diggs did that as a rookie in 2015. That that team probably doesn't make the playoffs without him. Um, this offense right now probably doesn't win in Houston. Probably doesn't it doesn't do what it did in and even though they lost, but still in Tennessee uh, without him. Like the fact that you have an Adam Thielen opposite of him is 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 a is a bonus. Obviously, I mean Thielen's still doing Thielen. Um, he's still a really really good receiver. Um, but what what Jefferson does is, which I'm glad that they're doing with him, is they're not pigeonholing him into the slot. They're not saying, "Hey, we're just going to put you inside and let you run," you know, uh, slot. Uh, what are the you know option routes and, and stuff like that? We're going to put you on at the X. We're going to put you on the outside and let you stretch the field because we don't have anybody else on the team that can really do that as efficiently as what we had Stephon Diggs that could do it. Jefferson's that guy. They're uh, as much as I love Thielen. Thielen's best suited in the current role that he's in you know he's the guy that runs the deep over routes he's the guy that um they they scheme to get they scheme to get him open and it's not that's not to say that he doesn't get himself open but they very much the scheme very much helps him a lot and and again not trying to bash him at all but what jefferson can do is he can win at, at all levels and you need you needed that guy to come in and to do that when you're looking to replace the stefan Diggs. and this offense needed that juice they needed a guy to to threaten the the safeties, to threaten cornerbacks, to to kind of loosen that defense up a little bit. And the first two weeks we saw with BC Johnson that that wasn't happening. And so uh, putting Jefferson in there and letting him just giving an opportunity, he's excelled. And uh, I'm just excited. And I think some of the stuff that we didn't see last year in the passing game that I would have liked to see is, you know, we see Jefferson running the the over routes, the uh, you know, letting him do the um, the deep uh, angle routes, the corner routes, those. You know, we didn't really get to see Diggs do that. Diggs got to do a lot, a lot of just the the deep, the deep go balls to kind of uh, keep the defense loosened to help open up the mid, the intermediate game. Uh, but what they're letting Jefferson do is do a little bit of both. Him and Thielen are both interchanging, which I didn't think we saw as much last year. So obviously Thielen missed, you know, seven to eight games. But still, I think what they're doing cre- creatively with this passing game uh, has been really good. So I'm, I mean, Jefferson's just been impressive the the way they've he's been able to win. And the fact that he can win one-on-one matchups, press, uh, downfield, uh, contested catches, all the things that you you know you know you wanted to see him do, he's doing. 
he's such a complete receiver. It's crazy to see yeah. from just a rookie, the, like all the things he's good at. Like, like you know, we saw we've seen him do everything that he did at LSU that he's really good at. You know, catch point. You know, run after the catch. Uh, beat zone but now we're seeing him beat press man we're seeing him line up on the outside and win with his release we're seeing him beat physical coverage you know we're seeing him win downfield on fade routes it's like he's good at everything it's kind of crazy his run blocking is excellent it's like crazy like i it's even when Diggs had his crazy good rookie breakout it was like dang this guy can run some seriously good routes but then like patrick peterson smothers him because he you know he hadn't learned how to beat press yet like Jefferson is just like he's like a veteran receiver from day one. It's crazy. And he's also 21. That brings up like an interesting point. I was talking to some friends today and they were like, so who do you think is the more valuable asset, Diggs or Jefferson, when you consider the fact that Jefferson is under a cheap rookie contract for the next four years plus the fifth year option? Whereas Diggs, you know, I don't think anybody, you know, maybe Jefferson's like the number one graded receiver right now, but I don't think any of us would say Diggs is, you know, that Jefferson is, is the worst, is the better receiver. But when you take the contract into consideration, I think it becomes an interesting question about who would you take? I think I'd probably still take Diggs just because I'm so confident in, in what a talented receiver he is. And there's still a lot of ways that Jefferson could go, you know, as, as great as it's been so far. But it's 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 becoming an interesting question because I don't think any of us saw this trade um, working out well for both teams, really, as as well as it has so far. I mean, it has to be Diggs because look at Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing that we have—that's the thing that we have to be a little bit careful is using the Stephon Diggs example. Diggs was outrageous. You know, the Denver game, everybody remembers him. You know, just absolutely toasting Akib Talib. But I remember the Detroit game where he was amazing. I remember the Chicago game where they hadn't won in Soldier Field in like 10, 15 years, and. And, you know, he had that play at the end, you know, they were kind of played a crappy game and then he just absolutely like tore up the defense on the last drive to, to give them a tie game and stuff. But he kind of petered out down the stretch. I mean, Diggs had what, like what, 700 yards his rookie year. It was kind of a non-factor in the playoff game. And, you know, the book got out on him and then obviously he got better. The, the test for Jefferson and the test for CD Lamb and the test for Jerry Judy and the test for Henry Ruggs, should he come back? Uh, Jalen Rager, the same is, you know, you can come out and, and be on fire early with it, but what happens when the other teams adjust to you? I obviously have less of a question of that with Stefan Diggs in Buffalo um, because he's shown the, the ability to be a consistent veteran receiver in the NFL. Um, it, it does lessen the blow, obviously that, that, that Jefferson's good. Um, but what Diggs is doing in Buffalo, you watch those games. He he is taking over games, uh, and and you know and Jefferson you know has shown flashes of that. Um, so then the question will be a sustainability for both of those going forward. Well, and I think too, uh, one thing that from a rookie Diggs, rook, what rookie Diggs didn't have that rookie Jefferson has is an Adam Thielen on the other side. Uh, Stephon Diggs came in and, and had to be the de facto one, uh, wide receiver one as a rookie, as a fifth round draft pick rookie. <laughs> He had to be a wide receiver one, whereas Jefferson doesn't have that pressure on him. Not that he's not helping carry the passing offense, but he has an Adam Thielen on the other side who is going to help take a lot of that attention away. And that's not to say that Jefferson hasn't been extremely impressive the last two weeks. He has, but he doesn't have to put the entire passing game on his shoulders because they don't have anybody else. You don't have Adam a, Thielen is balling right now. Yeah, I no, mean, no, no doubt. He is, he is great. Nearly a lot of a lot of us were worried about him as a wide receiver one without Stefan Diggs across from him, but he is he's been up for the task really all, throughout the season. 
Um, and it's really, it's always going to be hard to compare Jefferson to Diggs. We all want to do it. For me, it's more about what Eric's saying is, you know, how is he go? How is he doing with these other rookie wide receivers you see across the league? Gary Kubiak maybe brought Jefferson, waited a couple weeks, but you know, you saw Brandon Ayuk come online after a couple weeks. You saw T. Higgins get more involved in Cincinnati after a couple weeks. So, regardless of what Stephon Diggs is doing in Buffalo, because I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm not watching those games. <laughs> <laughs> so, Flip. Talking about the passing game and, and something Miles brought up is that we do have a decent amount of investment in the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Kirk, the contract there, we don't need to go through all that again. But, you know, we're paying Riley Reef a decent amount of money, Garrett Bradbury, high draft whoa, whoa, whoa. pick. Hey, Reef, what, what does Flip have to say? Reef's finally playing up to his contract, even though he took a pay cut. <laughs> we'll, we'll, exactly. we'll, we'll take that one. We'll take that one. We got to. You know, we got O'Neal out there, obviously Thielen. We've talked about Jefferson. Someone we haven't really talked about this season that we all kind of thought we might be talking about this season is Irv Smith. Flip, what, what's happened to Irv? Where is he at? What's going on? Because he seems to be the type of player that, I mean, given that we're going to have to win every game by scoring 40 points, it seems like you'd want your really athletic tight end who can stretch the seam getting involved with your offense and it seems thus far that we've Smith now he is again he was another very young draft pick I don't have his exact age up yet right now but you know he he is a young developing player and he's he's in year two he's not in year three but just with everything else you're seeing on the offense it would be great to have that second tight end just in there second well i mean definitely not first with kyle rudolph making <laughs> bailing kirk out twice a game uh but for me you know you just look at the offense as a whole you've got jefferson and thielen you got cook in the backfield you've got garrett bradbury who has taken a magnificent step forward on the offensive line right now because <laughs> we got nothing from irv smith jr i mean I can't believe I've got to say this name right now, but Chad Beebe was our third wide receiver in the game against Houston. He outsnapped BC Johnson. So there is a need there for a third pass catcher, not just a, a blocker, but a, a dynamic player like an Irv Smith Jr. The opportunities right there in front of him. Gary Kubiak loves to run those two tight end sets. It's like, dude, Step up. We're seeing Bradbury step up. We're seeing Jefferson step up. Irv Smith, he's gotta he's gotta come online at some point in the season. Can I can I tilt you guys just a little bit? Irv Smith this season has fewer catches and yards than Michael Pruitt does. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and Mike and Michael Pruitt, of course. Uh, started the play the last uh, the playoff game at, at TCF Bank Stadium against Seattle. This, this is the the most this is the 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 silliest thing about this season has been is Smith because when you look at the offenses. So I, I tweeted out that graphic with all like the the teams that you know the 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 clusters right and and you look at the Vikings and uh, they're nestled in there. You look at the left side. It's San Francisco, it's Cleveland, it's Minnesota, and then it's kind of like Tennessee slash L.A. Rams. Okay, 
San Francisco, George Kittle caught 15 balls the other night. Uh, you know, with with uh, Cleveland, it's Austin Hooper, and it's also uh, David Njoku. Uh, Njoku's hurt, though, but the, the productive tight ends. Tennessee, not only Pruitt, but they all, John U. Smith has been amazing so far. And then with uh, the Rams, it's not the tight end I think I'd like for them to have, but Tyler Higby is actually relatively efficient. And Gerald Everett also had a touchdown last week. And then you have Minnesota here who can't seem to figure the tight end position out, despite the fact that their offense requires that position to be effective. Um, the the hard part I have with Irv Smith is, as Flip said, he was young when they drafted him. And you look around the league, some of these like really super athletic tight ends don't become fixtures in offenses until their second team. Like Jared Cook was horrible for like the first like three teams he played for and now he's decent Darren Waller it was like you know basically kicked off of three teams and now he's a really good player for the Raiders um Hayden Hurst even is like on his second team now in Atlanta and and starting to you know add some productivity Charles Clay wasn't good until he got on Buffalo and and like I'm I worry about Irv Smith in the sense that you use this big time draft pick on him and you're almost drafting another team's veteran cheap tight end so, Eric, my question is, you know, so the Vikings are targeting tight ends on 15% of their pass attempts. League average is 21% right now. So they're below average, but they also have two tight ends. Even if he surpasses Kyle Rudolph, he's still in a basically a non-tight end offense. But we're still scoring 30 points a game. So where are those targets coming from? Who are you saying instead of, Instead of this guy, let's start using Irv Smith Jr. Well, I think it's got to come out of the passing game, right? Or sorry, out of the running game. They have mm-hmm. to. It's probably just more passing. It's more play action. It's more, and I gotta, I gotta pull up the numbers here for them as far as how often they're running play action. It's, it's a good amount. I, but it's not nearly as much um, as let me find this report here. But it's not nearly as much as like uh, not Kubiak, but uh, Stefanski. Um, when you look when you look over it at Cleveland, so you know, and and these are sort of like game neutral um, game. And Cleveland's running it at forty two percent of the time. Baltimore's running it at forty two and a half percent of the time. So like that, those are the plays where you find the tight ends, and like that's I think it's just another it's another uptick in that kind of stuff. And it's not like the Vikings are running eleven personnel in in early down, you know normal situation 11 percent of the time um which is actually a lot less than cleveland at 27 and cleveland's the second least uh, no third least by san francisco so it to me it's just like you kind of have to refactor things right you have to kind of uh you know run more boot boot action stuff run more uh, of, of those types of things and probably just get more creative i mean he he should be the recipient of a waterfall screen every game like oh, they ran a they ran a screen to cj ham T.J. Ham's a, a good fullback, but I'm like, if you're going to run that screen, why does it have to be to your fullback? Like, out of okay, all the playmakers on the Herb field. Is practically, I mean, they've lined him up at fullback. You could just as easily run yeah. that with, with a guy who's actually really fast. Exactly. Who's an old school fullback, neck roll fullback. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, for me, it's just, you know, they have two good receivers going and the Browns are the same way. And the, but the Browns and the Browns like. You know, they just do a, a few things that are like more tight end friendly on early downs. Um, and I think I don't know if that'll actually cut into Dalvin's carries as much because 
you know, if you, if you're successful on early downs more often, you're going to be running more on later downs, like third and two or something like that. I'm not super, I'm from watching Irv's film. I'm not like super concerned about his, I think he's been fine. I think, you know, just sometimes you're not going to get targets and there's only so many mouths to feed. And when Thielen and Jefferson are doing as well as they are, you know, you're not going to be able to, to find, and Rudolph is like the, the go-to guy in the red zone. Then it's kind of, kind of tough for Irv to find places. but you know, he's had good routes. He's, he's had some really good comeback routes. He'll stop on a dime. He'll lose linebackers in the middle of the field. That's kind of his money spot. Um, he's still got a lot of, lot of, his blocking has looked rougher, but then you take, you have to take into account that he's taking on edge players now too. So, you know, whereas before he was kind of feasting on linebackers or whatever safeties at the second level. Now he's really taken on, uh, you know, 270 pound guys. So, um, I'm not terribly concerned about him. I think it's just a matter, you know, just give him, give him more time. We'll see his, him come into play and we'll see them put in packages and stuff where he's the featured guy. So I think his day is coming. I don't really, from watching him, I don't see anything that makes me like, oh man, are we suddenly, is this guy going to bust or something? I'm, I'm not too worried about that yet. Well, and you talk about like Kirk's a dot is what the, the best in the league are up there. Like Kirk's no longer settling for the short to intermediate with the tight ends. He's saying, I'm going to go hit those, the deeper routes with Jefferson and Thielen, which I mean, we'd all That's prefer that want. anyways. Right. No, exactly. I mean, if, if Jefferson and Thielen are getting open, you're going to throw it to them every time. So he, he, he saw Eric clamoring for Jameis and was like, I'll show you Jameis. <laughs> I'll show you Jameis. Uh, I, I got your Jameis <laughs> right here. Hey, that yeah. the, the backwards, when he was running backwards and he threw it up to Rudolph, I was like, that's Jameis. He, he, he knew. That was, he, he knew. Yeah. I cannot he believe that. that, was eager after that. <laughs> but isn't it more fun? Isn't having Jameis around more fun? I mean, come on. It's more fun. All right. So, gentlemen, I uh, I need to put you you on the spot now. Flip, I'll start with you because you weren't here last week. What do you make of this team now? So, you know, DVOA has this kind of middle of the pack. PFF, yeah, kind of middle of the pack there as well. Uh, Regardless of your sorting by, you know, Eric's math or just, you know, team grades. Yeah. Uh, what 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 do you make of us now, and and how do you think the season kind of plays out as we move forward? Obviously, I mean, we'll we'll talk about a little bit about Seattle before we get out of here. But what do you make of this team now that we got some optimism flowing through us? Do you think that Kirk Tober is really going to kick off again, or was it just Houston was just that bad that uh, I mean, they 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 really didn't want to win that game. They really wanted Bob up out of there, even though Bob was calling the plays. It was very strange. Short answer: Houston was just that bad. Uh, long answer. You you've got you've got let me call it five goals when you're an NFL team to start the season. The first goal is win the Super Bowl. Below that, make the Super Bowl. Below that, make the playoffs. Below that, win your division. And then finally, below that, have a winning record. First overall, okay. four thousand yards. Oh. No, no, none, none of that yardage <laughs> bullshit. Can I say that? Fucking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> we are one in three right now. So there's no talk about playoffs until we get to a 500 record. This is still about watching our young players develop. I'm not a tank guy. I don't want to tank. But for me right now, it's about watching Justin Jefferson. It's about Garrett Bradbury, who's allowed two pressures this year after allowing 29 with eight penalties in 2019. 
um, he's significantly improved again. Uh, it's about Gladney, Gladney had a decent week too. Yeah, it's about Jeff Gladney, Cameron Dantzler, maybe even a unique in Gawkway. Georgia uh, Loka, like. Well, yeah, well, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> but it, it's about watching those guys take a step forward. And then maybe, you know, maybe if we shock Seattle, maybe if we get back to three and three, then we can start talking about playoffs again. But until then, there's no way to get there without growth from the young players. So that's who I'm focused on. All right, Nick, how about you? What, what's your what's your outlook for this team as we as we look ahead? Oh, they're not good, but they're fun. <laughs> they're fun. The thing that my problem is like uh, the corners actually. So Gladney's had some flashy plays. He like clicks and closes really fast. He he's good at finding the ball. Holton Hill's gotten really good at finding the ball. They're like they, they're making plays on Cam Dantzler's. You know, you probably notice him the least because he gets targeted the least. So there's, they're doing some interesting things in the secondary. As bad as they, they're all like bottom ten and like yards per coverage <laughs> snap, but. But there's flashes there that make you think like, okay, well, maybe you could build something around there. But the thing is, like, watching, like, not NFL caliber talent. So, I don't know. There's not – you can't scheme around, like, just these – this is like a JV JV squad on the defense. So, uh, but, you know, with with the weapons they have on offense, Cook, Dalvin, and the emergence of Jefferson, and maybe, you know, some more, some Kirk Tober on the way, I think it'll be a fun fun team to watch, and it'll be fun to see if, they, if the young guys can keep developing. I hope we get October just so we can get the takes. Can I can I make one comment? Can I make one more comment? This season. Yes. Uh, So so with like what you're seeing from the young quarterbacks, Nick, like, does that suggest that they might be okay if we had, I don't know, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL coming back? Or do you still want to hold Daniel Hunter out? How do we how do we feel about that? Uh, I mean, I think the Hunter is is he's your best player, I think, and and you know, other than ignoring positional value with defensive ends, he's like the most valuable asset on the roster. So, I, I think you want to be careful with him. And I also think like like Hunter getting pressure fast is not going to solve you know Jeff Gladney biting on a on a slot fade and and giving up like a forty yard completion like that. Those those instant losses like pass pass rush helps, but. A lot of their losses are because, like, they're just making rookie mistakes, and uh, the trial by fire is is helpful for the long term development. But in the meantime, definitely some more growing pains on the way. So I, I don't know. I I don't think Hunter. I mean, he's a great player, but I don't think he's going to be that big of a difference maker that you think about rushing him along. I don't know. That's my take. All right. Well, Eric, talk to me about this this matchup that we have upcoming. Russ is uh, is cooking somehow. Somebody got the analytics into uh, Seattle. Got it in they, there. They, they throw the ball on first and second down. Something I did not know you were allowed to do in the NFL as a <laughs> Vikings. You need to start bowling the Vikings. <laughs> it's if, it's if very the Seahawks strange. Twitter can do it. We can do it too. <laughs> Talk to me about it. How's this game gonna go? This game entirely depends upon how Kirk Cousins plays. <laughs> because I don't see a universe in which Seattle doesn't score 45 points. So, like, <laughs> don't you think? I mean, why is, everyone, why is everyone laughing right now? You know, the 2018 game was 100% how Kirk played because the Vikings defense was really good at the time and Seattle's offense didn't want to pass the ball on early downs. So they were only going to score about 20 points, right? And Kirk played like crap in that interception to Trey Flowers and things like that. 
uh, where I'm becoming. In this game, Seattle's defense is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. <laughs> you know, it, it's it rivals Minnesota. Minnesota and Seattle both have star power at the safety position, but it's a little bit banged up for Seattle. Neither team has a great pass rush. Um, so for me, for my money, it's if Jefferson and Thielen can keep up with Lockett and Metcalf and Kirk can stay relatively close to Russ in terms of efficiency, it's going to be a great game. If not, then it's going to be tough. Um, but yeah, I think the point, the point spread seven, uh, I think, and I have, I have Seattle 4.3 points better than the average team. I have Minnesota about a point worse than the average team. So depending upon how you price home field advantage, I think that's fairly right. So I don't think I could lay the points with Seattle or take them with Minnesota. I think it's about a touchdown game. All right. Miles, touchdown game. Does that feel optimistic for you, right where it's supposed to be? Or are you feeling like, hell, the way Kirk's playing, with it being, you know, Kirk Tober, we're about to shock the world on primetime television. I mean, I think out of all the times to play Seattle in Seattle, it's October for Kirk, right? Yeah. Better than doing it. No um, home, no fans. Yeah, no fans. I mean, if there's a time for Kirk to do it, it'd be now. Um, But obviously we know – I don't like to – yeah, I guess it it is – I mean, we're kind of in win – like must-win mode already because obviously they're 1-3. They beat a bad Houston team, but – at the same time, before the season, we were told that they weren't going to beat Houston. Um, but, like, they need they need to beat – I was looking at Eric when I said that, too. <laughs> um, but, no, like, they obviously need to win this game. But uh, the question always comes down to quarterback. Like, do you trust Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins more? And I think – I mean, Wilson's literally playing the best football of anybody in the league right now. I mean, I think Rodgers might – and Mahomes are probably the only two other guys that are close. Um other than that, I mean, I don't think anybody else is playing better than Will's, uh, Russ. So, I mean, how do you, how do you, who's going to cover DK and, and Tyler Lockett? I just don't see anybody doing it. I, I don't know what Seattle's injury looks like. I know Quinn Dunbar and Jamal Adams been banged up. I don't, I'd have to see if they're going to expect it to play this week. Like they're better than what the Vikings. Obviously, like the Vikings safeties with Harrison and Anthony Harris. Like even though Anthony hasn't, Harris hasn't played as well, but um, like the safeties are good. Cornerback-wise, I mean, I'd take the slight edge to Seattle just because of experience. If if Dunbar's healthy, if he's not, that's obviously a little bit of a different story. Um, man, I don't even know. It's it's hard. Like I I expect Seattle to beat the Vikings by a good margin. I just expect them to get out to start out hot and then to keep going. And what we haven't seen from the Vikings is them them to have the ability to keep up with high scoring uh, offenses. So. If this is the time to, this would be the time to do it. Otherwise, but we normally don't see it. We've seen them score a lot of points, but we don't see them do it in a way that they're keeping up or outpacing another team. Yeah, well, it's um, it's just a question of I, I think everybody, when you look at the numbers, sees a possible shootout happening here. The question is like, how does Gary Kubiak come out? Is he saying? I'm going to take advantage of these this weak Seattle pass defense, or is he saying? I got to take the air out of this balloon, try to grind the clock, try to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. See, that's the and, issue. With and and that's the issue. The issue with his offense is they're so worried yeah. about running the football rather than just winning the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Seattle ranks, their offense ranks first in the NFL in targets to wide receivers, 12.3 yards per attempt. 
Minnesota's offense ranks second in the NFL in that same category when they're targeting wide receivers. But you look at the defensive side, Seattle's defense defending the pass to wide receivers, they're 30th in the NFL. And the Vikings defense is 31st in the NFL. So it's a huge, huge opportunity for Lockett, Metcalf, Jefferson, and Thielen. It's just a matter of which offensive coordinator gives their guys the biggest opportunity to make those plays. And Nick, bring us home. How many tweets do you already have in your drafts if Kurt Cousins goes nuclear in this game and throws for 500 yards in a Vikings victory. Wouldn't that be glorious? Oh, man, the memes. Prime the time Kirk defeating, defeating the MVP favorite. <laughs> I, I kind of, now I just want to see that just for like, I want it. Value to see like Twitter melt down. <laughs> you, that you, would be pretty fun. Yeah, you got to have some in the holster ahead of time. You better be ready just to fire those off as soon as it hits go, zero. Go, okay, I'll go to the meme meme workshop and, and get going on that. Get, get, no, get I, mean, us going. I agree with that, everything that's been said here. Like, these are similar teams with similar strengths, but the Seahawks are kind of just better across the board at, at everything. So uh, I, I'm not expecting uh, uh, much other than hopefully an entertaining game, but we'll see. I can't believe Schottenheimer is the guy who's, you know, now like a, a pass, the pass heaviest coordinator in the league. Um, and the Vikings are the opposite of that, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, football's random. We also don't know much as much about these teams as it feels like we do right now. Like last year, the Vikings were two and two and we kind of thought they sucked. And then it turned out they won a playoff game and they were probably a little bit better than we were thinking just because they kind of took some time to get into their groove. You know, this time last year, this was the start of Kirktober. So we'll see if we'll, we'll see if there's a, a if there's a sequel to Kirktober. Um, but I don't know. It'll be fun. It's fun to watch the Vikings on prime time. So it, it's fun to like, especially just because I get to like enjoy red zone all the way through without having to like watch the Vikings game at one o'clock. So that's nice. <laughs> oh, well, there it is. We made it all the way through. Gentlemen, thank you for making the time. Flip, thanks for shuffling things around. And last but certainly not least, shout out to all the folks in Canada. We just jumped back into the top 200 sports podcasts in all of the country. So shout out to my people giving us the support. Ooh, and uh, the rest of y'all, we love you too. Tell your friends, you know, listen to the show. Get us on the charts wherever you are as well. But, you know, shout out to my people in Canada showing us love. And uh, that's it. That's all. We are out of here. We will talk to you all soon. Go. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Go, everybody.